Welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. Um, purpose of the show is to provide an educational experience surrounding various different financial planning issues. Uh, backed by popular demand, um, a lot of people really like the educational aspect of doing questions and answers. So what we've done is we've kind of scoured the internet and or kind of produced the the commonly asked questions that our clients ask us and questions that we come across from people who meet with us the first time because that kind of gives us a sense of what does the general public want to know or what are they asking so we want to take that opportunity to be able to answer those questions and with a panel of two of my other associates who work with me I uh, like to be able to take this advantage of just discussing it and hopefully it, it can answer some questions that you may have. So to my immediate right is Kyle Ryan, also a certified financial planner, and to the, all the way to the right is Ryan Keefe, who's been with me for five years. And thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for having and, us. you know, let's, let's get rolling here, talk yeah. about the different areas. Yep. So what's our first question we got coming? I have... Here we go, uh-oh. <laughs> just happened there uh, I believe the question is um, right, I want so that, to that's, that's it's a really it's a really long one it says I want to leave all my assets to my three children distributed evenly my children all have drastically different levels of income what is the most tax-efficient manner for me to pass these assets to my children fairly that's what it has. Um, all right well that's a kind of an interesting uh, okay, how, how do you interpret the question? I'm looking at this. I want to leave all of my assets to the, my three children evenly. Well, well, the way I view the question is, is pretty simply, if you have one child who's, you know, part owner of a company making 300 grand a year and one making 50 grand a year at a blue collar job, you know, you want to leave some of the tax-free assets to the higher earner because he's going to be impacted more from a tax perspective than the $50,000 earner. So maybe you leave him some of the taxable assets. Right. And, you know, in kind of the same spirit of this question, if you, you know, have two children that you want to leave assets, but you also want to give some to charity, um, that's fine, perfectly okay. Give the charity the taxable money. Why? They don't pay taxes. You <laughs> know, exactly. So, so if people think it's like a bad thing, you're sticking the charity with taxable money. It's like, no, they, they don't pay taxes. Exactly. Like, for instance, specifically the IRAs. The IRAs, yeah. Yes, the IRAs. And we come across this uh, all the time. You know, we always ask a hey, client, what, what is your goal and objective? Do you have any charitable inclinations? And we identify the IRA assets to do just that. And also, um, to your point, and I see where this question is going, um, there are times where... And I know mothers are extremely important that each of their children get exactly the same amount. And so what you're talking about is a great idea, okay? You got a high wage earner mm -hmm. and then a lower wage earner. You leave the lower wage earner the taxable income sources. What I've also had happen is the high wage earner or has lots of money or whatever, you know we've done? We just make their children the beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. You bypass. Bypass, you know, yeah. you bypass, and effectively at the end of the day, I think what we're trying to accomplish is 
we just don't want the federal government to be one of our primary beneficiaries. And right. I think we can all say the same thing. And it's really an estate planning uh, tool that you could use. Right. I think what happened up there is there were two questions that were over the top of each other. The other question was, is there a vehicle that will ensure our assets are passed down to our desired beneficiaries? Hmm. Well, I suppose what they mean by that is <laughs> your beneficiaries, right? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, if you set beneficiaries, they're going to go to your beneficiaries. But I think the question is more getting along the lines of, is okay, I have a child, I, I name him my beneficiary, and he gets married. Okay, and if I, if I leave all of my assets to my child, he's married, if he passes away, and he has children, if he passes away, his wife, whoever it is, remarries, they have more kids, there's a chance that my grandchildren don't see a dime. Because all of a sudden, your, your assets trickle away from your family tree and into a totally separate one that's not linked to you, and there's nothing you can do about it because you just had beneficiary designations not something like a trust in which you can make right. sure Trusts. your assets or, get exactly where they need to go. Similarly, you, you leave assets to your child and then they get divorced. Next thing you know, half those assets are now gone. Belonging, yeah, gone. gone. Okay, and you know, that's certainly an estate planning tool that we try to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the use of trusts. Now, that goes a little bit beyond establishing beneficiaries, but if those are the questions, then you know they should talk to their financial advisor and or their estate attorney to figure out ways to circumvent if that's what was meant by this question. Seems like it. Uh, the next question was, what is the difference between an FSA and an HSA? Well, it's an H or an F, right? <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys want to take reason. that? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, what a health savings account, well, a health flexible savings account, and a flexible. flexible savings account. Um, you know, both are you know designed to be uh, investment vehicles for uh, monies through your payroll, saving money, for saving right. money for medical expenses and tax advantage too. And tax they consider advantage. tax deductible. Um, and the the beautiful thing with the HSA is you can take money, put it into it, and it's not use it or lose it. You have it. Um, right. For as long as until you need it, it's tax deductible on the way in when you contribute, and it's tax free on the way out as long as it's for qualified medical expenses. Right. It's the only uh, account that will right. do that, which is beautiful. Well, thing. the HSAs are a relatively new animal. Uh, I'll give it maybe five or six years. Mm -hmm. um, used to be the FSAs, and people get really irritated because they're trying to project out how much their, you know, medical costs are going to be during the course of the year. You know, and let's say they're putting away $100 a week, which is $5,200. All of a sudden, at the end of the year, they only use $3,000. Yeah, there goes that other $2,200. Yeah. If you don't think that'll... Drive you nuts. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> right. I was trying to think of a clean way of putting it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's just throwing money away, and nobody likes to do that. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, the HSA, uh, they've even made it, uh, I don't want to say more complicated, but on steroids that you can actually take your HSA money and invest it. Mm -hmm. And if you can and you're young enough, then what you do is you invest those monies. They grow tax deferred and tax free, much like a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. And it's not the 59 and a half, it's just gotta be used for medical expenses. Actually during your earlier years, you pay out a cash flow your medical expenses, and now you just created a parallel 
savings account or investment account or retirement, a medical retirement account. The MRA, I just yeah. ran the <laughs> MRA. Yeah. <laughs> the HSA is really unique. I think, you know, it's a high deductible plan, so you do have to clear your deductible each year. Yeah, you have to have year, a high deductible which, plan. Which, so it sounds, you know, great, but if you don't go to the doctor often, you know, maybe once a year, you don't have that much expenses, you have a high deductible plan, there may be a point where you just never use the thing because you always have to, you have to make it to your deductible before you can use the plan. Right, and if you don't spend that much on medical expenses, you're, I mean, it's going to grow, and you're going to be able to keep it. But you know, you have to you have to weigh whether or not you want a high deductible plan, or if you don't want to pay anything and use the plan for it. Right. Right. So, all right, what do we got next? Uh, I just started. Oh, we talked about this in one of our prior episodes. I just started with Medicare. Will my premiums ever go up? If so. Can I control it? What is that based on? <laughs> it's your income. Absolutely. Irma? So, Irma. That's right. Income-related uh, <laughs> income monthly adjustment amount. I, why All I right, two for two. I kind of blew that one. Um, so Medicare in 2021, I'm sorry, 2022 was $170 a month. That's for Part B. Part and then B. there's Part D. Uh, for for uh, drugs, it's like uh, twenty or thirty dollars a month. I apologize, I don't know that one right off the top of my head, but it's a lot less. Believe it or not, it's the first time in my career I've ever seen Medicare premiums went down. So they're one hundred and sixty-five dollars in twenty twenty-three. Um, especially, you know, it's like with inflation that we had in twenty twenty-two, it's just remarkable to see that the actual Medicare premiums went down. But be that as it may. So what happens here is they have, that's your medical premium. So every year, like late November, early December, anybody who's on Social Security will receive a statement saying, this is how much your Social Security is going to be, minus your Medicare, minus how much you're going to withhold for taxes, and then IRMA. And IRMA, as we said, is an income-related monthly adjustment amount, basically how much more do you have to pay for Medicare because of your income two years earlier. And so what people don't realize is they make too much money, let's say too much money, there's no such thing as too much, but their income is now not only taxable, but their impact in their Medicare premiums. And as I pointed out, before, anytime you have an exchange of money between you and the government, and it's because of your income, it's a tax, okay? And that drives me crazy. Now, they're also, when you receive that, if you have an IRMA, which means an increase in your Medicare premium, if you follow the pages after that, you have the potential to petition that IRMA amount, and a lot of people aren't aware of that. Basically what it is, is and people say, why in the world are they looking two years back? Well, let's say it's the end of 2022. They're telling you what your premiums are going to be next year. Well, at the end of 2022, what's the most recent tax return that the IRS has? 2021. So 21 drives your 23 income. Okay, I'm sorry, your, your, your 21 income drives your Medicare premiums for 2023. Well, 
what if I was working in 21, but I've retired since, mm -hmm. which happens a lot. Is it fair that in 2023 that your Medicare premiums go up? Of course not, okay? And what people don't realize is they have the ability to actually challenge it if they meet certain criteria, death, disability, law, uh, loss of job could be retiring, or a reduction in hours. So we actually plan for that. So in answer to the question that was asked, how can I control it? Well, you wanna control your income that's going to impact the Medicare premiums two years from now. And that is one of the year-end planning things that we do, call it tax planning, Medicare is a tax, if it's over the 170 typical amount. Um, Roth IRAs don't count towards IRMA. What counts towards IRMA is the total Social Security amount, not the taxable amount, and any municipal bond income that you get. So how do you control your income? We, or how do you control your Medicare? By controlling your income. Mm -hmm. And taking a look at the tables and seeing what those thresholds are and staying below certain thresholds. And to piggyback off that, you want to be very, very careful about where, what threshold and where you're at. Because you go a dollar above that threshold That's limit, correct. boom, your premiums are going up. Your premiums so are going up to the tune of about $100 per month per person. Right. So that is $2,400 a year for $1. Yeah. Was that a 24,000% tax on that $1? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so good point, though. Thank you very much. But yes, that's how you control it. All right, what's our next question? I own my own business. How much should I be paying myself? All right, well, we've just been alerted that we're up against break. What we're going to do is we're going to pick up this question uh, after the break. So stay tuned. We'll be back with you in just a few moments. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Plan and Explain. Uh, we're gonna pick up with the same question that we basically left off with uh, before the break got in the way. And the question was, I own my own business, how much should I be paying myself? Well, uh, that actually is absolutely a question that should be answered between you and your accountant. However, I will touch upon it. Mm -hmm. um, Depends on what type of, uh, you know, how you're set up. Are you a sole proprietor? Are you an S-Corp? Are you an LLC, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I've actually, during the course of my career, have been all three, I really all four. I was a W-2 employee at one point. Uh, I was a 1099 sole proprietor. 
then I was an LLC, and now I'm an S-Corp. And an S-Corp is interesting. And again, i got to be careful of how I say this, but uh, the tricks with the S-Corp is I should pay myself an income that is typical of someone who in my industry would make. But being as how I manage my business, then anything above that ends up resulting in profit at the end of the year. So if I have a profit at the end of the year, the big difference between what I pay myself, what I pay myself is subject to every level of taxation, federal tax, state tax, local tax, Social Security, 6.2%, and Medicare, 1.45, okay? But if it's considered to be a business profit, it sheds all of them with the exception of Fed and state tax. So now me as the employer and the employee, that Medicare and Social Security tax is actually, instead of 7.65 each, it's 15.3% tax. Then you got 1% for local, that's 16% tax by taking some distributions in the form of uh, profits, mm -hmm. profit sharing. And so just to be careful, you know, we came across it, we came across it one time where we said, Mr. and Mrs. Client, you need to go back to your accountant because we were trying to establish SEP IRAs and Roth IRAs, all of which are predicated on your income. Mm -hmm. She wasn't paying herself any income and taking all of her income as profit, yep. skirting all of the taxes. And shoot the messenger again. We said, hey, you know, you're not, how'd she find out? She got the letter from the IRS saying, you can't contribute. Yep. You don't have income. Yep. We were like, it woke us up and said, holy smokes, you need to talk to your accountant. Well. She wasn't happy with the fact that she makes 100000 and pays herself. All of a sudden, she has to pick up all these other taxes. But, you know, that's where it comes down to we strongly encourage you to talk to your accountants because you do they're not the want to play games with the IRS. No, you don't want to no. play games with the IRS. That's over our heads. Um, you know, certainly we offer suggestions. But when it comes to those types of things, you absolutely need to deal with your accountant on it. But, hey, here again, no, knowing and understanding the rules, you know, we kick it back and say, hey, you know, you got to be careful of that because I don't want to go so far as being fraudulent, but man, I'll tell you what, that's a problem. Absolutely, yeah, and it, it's, you know, it extends a question, you know, how, how, what kind of corporation do you have or your sole proprietorship could also lead to what, if you're setting up a retirement account, you know, that's another thing to talk to an accountant there while you're on the same topic. If you want to set up a retirement account, SEP IRA, Simple IRA, 401k, you know, it's, it's all on the same topic, so those are things that you want to definitely clear with your accountant. Absolutely, because you're right. The, how much you pay yourself can have a perfect example. The SEP IRA, yep. I can only contribute to the SEP IRA 20% of how much I pay myself. Yeah. 20. Okay, yeah, twenty. Well, sorry, yeah, to think, let's call that stupid. Twenty <laughs> percent because that's what it really is. Twenty-five percent by technical rule. Yeah, twenty percent. Anyway, um, but that's that's a good point because you know you come across that at times where you know same goes with 
contributing to the 401k, profit sharing. It's based on your income, not on the profit piece. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. all right, what do we got next? Can I borrow from a retirement account? Well, the answer to that is almost no. Almost. Almost no. But you can actually borrow from your 401k, and I know you had talked about that before. Mm -hmm. um, the rules are you can borrow from a 401k up to 50% of your account balance up to 50000 and your payment needs to be made no more than five years. Rule of thumb, if you do it over five years, for every $1,000 you borrow, it's 20 bucks a month. You borrow 50 grand, you got a $1,000 a month payment. That ain't small. Yep. Okay, that's a lot of money and people don't realize that. Um, that is the only account you're allowed to borrow from. And oh, by the way, you got to pay it back, um, you know, through payroll deductions. But if you leave the company or, or terminate from the company, you're subject to having to pay that back immediately. But people do ask all the time, can I borrow from my IRA? And what is the answer? It's no, but you can, whatever you take out of your IRA, as long as it's put back within 60 days, it's as if right. it never happened. Right. One time. One, One time. Per year. Per 12 months. Oh, okay, not counting. So if you did okay. it October 1st. You can do it again October 2nd. After October 2nd of the following year. It's 12 yep. months from the time that you do it. So we've had this before. We've had this before. Unique okay? circumstances. You play the games. He who knows the rules of the game usually does better at the game. When has this happened to me before? I'll tell you what. I've rolled this out a couple times where people wanted money as a down payment for a house, but didn't have it. We grabbed it from an IRA, knowing full well we had to get the money back within 60 days. And the 60 day mark was fast approaching. And they realized they weren't gonna close. Right, if they close on, on like, they're basically they're buying a new house, they need the down payment, but they gotta sell the old house to pay themselves back. I've had it happen once on the 59th day. If you don't think the two of us were nervous on a $200,000 withdrawal, trust me, yeah. the two of us were nervous. I would <laughs> think so. But I've actually had it happen where then we take 60000 out of the spouse's account. Put it over there. Put it back into the other account, and now we just bought another 60 days. But that's risky. Yeah, it uh, sure it's, is. It's yeah. really risky. I mean, these are these are retirement savings it's accounts. Designed so they're meant for retirement. for retirement. That's correct. So they're trying to to make it so that people don't get antsy. Oh, right, exactly. Especially if they're under age 59 and a half, because then they're not only subjecting themselves to tax, but they're subjecting themselves to a 10% penalty. Yep. And, you know, I actually just recently had that with a client, but they're over 59 and a half. Took $105,000 out. He didn't want to do it. He did it. He didn't close on the old house within 60 days. Oh, well. So what he ended up doing is just taking a little bit more money to pay the taxes out. And then, guess what? When he sells the house, he has the money, just reinvests it. Oh, well. There was no catastrophic right. thing. But in answer to the original question, can I borrow from a retirement account? The answer is no-ish. No-ish. <laughs> it's a new word. No-ish. No-ish. Yeah. Um, so, and also, by the way, on that same note, um, you cannot use retirement accounts like an IRA or a Roth IRA, you cannot use those accounts for collateral. Correct. Meaning mm -hmm. that 
if I wanted to take out a loan, I can't use an IRA as collateral mm -hmm. by rule. Talk to any lender and they'll tell you that. Yep. So uh, we're through with our questions for today. Uh, we're through with time. No, probably ask a million questions. But uh, once again, these are examples that we use for commonly asked questions uh, that we get from our clients that we see on the internet. And certainly we would try to do is take the opportunity to discuss it, some of the you know, nuances associated with some of the rules surrounding it uh, in an attempt to educate you as the watcher and the listener. And you know, for that, we thank you very much for watching our show. And I hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode of Financial Planet Explained. Thank you again. Thank you.